0: It, are you willing to allow others to think the world of it and of you? Pedagogue of young gods. All slavery ever does is free you. All anyone ever does is an example. All power is is collective energy. To abuse the privilege is to sell your soul, and that is to rent with the illusion of owning. We are the landlords. If you misunderstand us, you're dead and deserve your demise. Your dominion is your overthrow. The controllers are controlled. Spread the word, it will save you and depends on you to be understood. There is no school bell. Only nursery, our heroes reward us with stars, ever still, ever moving, we sing to ourselves in our cars, music is our sanctuary, anywhere you put it, it's ours, our living voice, our living testament, we dream aloud, we scream and shout, our courage will defeat them, our struggle will unite us, our wisdom is ourselves, our resources
1: is our own. Good afternoon everybody, how are you all doing today? This is your host, with the most, your neighborhood nerd, Mr. William Moore, and this is Chill Time as well Time. I'd like to thank you all for joining me uh, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whichever part of the day that it is that y- uh, you've taken the time out to listen to me. I would like to extend, uh, let you guys know how gracious and uh, I am for you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to me. Um, and for this episode, I'm going to go it alone. Uh, if you guys have been paying much attention or listening to uh, previous episodes, I've had a lot of great interviews lately. Um, Mr. PJ and Jesse Sage of the Peep Show podcast were on, joined me one time. Uh, Stacy Swim joined me as well um, talked to talk about her work. And Miss Abina George joined me to talk about her work uh, as a blogger. Um, so I thought uh, I would go out alone this time and just kind of uh, really uh, speak a little bit about a movie that I've just gone to sleep lately. This is not going to be a movie review. I'm more or less going to give you um, some input on my feelings about the movie. Um, And that movie that I'm uh, speaking of is Black Klansman, uh, directed by Spike Lee. Uh, For those who know me, Spike Lee is probably my favorite director of all time. Um, I have essentially all his films on DVD. And, I mean, what can I say? Uh, All his material pretty much goes right you know up my alley as far as the type of topics or subject matter that i'm very interested in so this uh this movie followed suit um the movie is pretty bait it's pretty much based on uh, the story of the, the true story of ron stalworth an african-american police officer who went undercover in colorado mm-hmm. spring colorado springs and the ku klux klan how he kind of pulled that off and you know what he went through, the things that he was thinking, feeling emotionally uh, during the time that he was infiltrating uh, this hate group, uh, the fallout afterwards. Uh, and it really, uh, there were some, in, in true Spike Lee fashion, there's little uh, snippets or interludes here and there, or speeches by different characters that really allude to a lot of the social issues that we're dealing with today. Uh, and I thought it was very ironic that a lot of the things that the different characters we're talking about in the movie that were relevant for that time are also very true and relevant for this time. Uh, at the end of the movie, he also gives a very poignant uh, reference uh, and a memorial to the young the young lady that passed in Charlottesville, Virginia uh, this past year. Um, but I digress. I'm going to you know pretty much get on this movie and kind of talk to you about how I felt, <clears throat> how it made me feel. Um I guess the first thing that comes in my comes to mind when I think about what I watched at Black Klansman the first thing that made me reflect on is like how funny America is. America is funny, interesting, hypocritical, and any other adjective you want to throw out there. Uh, I, I I mean, I i I'd find I'd be hard pressed to find anybody who would disagree with me. Uh, America is tragic. America is disgusting at times. America is hopeless at times, and then there are some things about the country that give you hope. Um, it's not that I didn't already know these things, and I didn't necessarily need a movie to remind me of these things. And I'm sure you, you know you guys have heard me speak about these this, speak about this before. Um, but I have to say that after seeing uh, Black Klansmen, a lot of those feelings were amplified. Uh, twofold, I guess, um, and only the way that Spike Lee can—he uh, plays out, you know, essentially, like I said, the magnificent storyline behind uh, Ron Stallworth, and and a lot of metaphor, metaphorical gems and poetic shots that really make you reflect on the current situation going on here in America. You and and, it, and it's at those moments when you see these uh these metaphorical gems or these references to to, to uh, political things you know happenings or strife that are going on during that period of time and how so similar they are to what's going on in america at this time it's at those moments a lot of times that you you kind of have a feeling of hopelessness and anger because as much as people like to say that things have changed so much it really kind of puts in perspective, or it makes you. It begs to ask the question: Have things really changed? Maybe the game hasn't changed, just the jersey has. The look of the, the look of the game has changed, but the but the way the game or the way the game is played has changed. But the the end game or the goal of those in power has has always stayed the same, and. You know, it's clear to me that we really haven't done enough to make the type of change that is needed, I guess, uh, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, Spike does a great job of bringing to, to the memory of the audience what black folks have had to endure uh, now, endure back in the 60s and 70s. And like I said, like how... For those who really were under the, uh, under the idea or the notion that we're in a post racial society, they couldn't have been further from the truth. Our current situation greatly reflects that. Um, and to be honest, I guess I have to say that it's a shame, um, despite really had to make a movie like this to remind a lot of the folks in the audience and those Who took the time out to go see the movie? um, That uh, uh, of that fact, I guess. Uh, It's I can only imagine how folks who like my father, who lived during the you know the fifties and sixties or seventies, like feel like how all this work in progress that they thought they made and all this effort that they put into really trying to get things to change. To see what has uh, really kind of been fully unleashed the past year and a half. It's, it's let them know that, you know, we may have taken one step forward. But we've, we've actually taken two to three steps back. And that's got to be a really discouraging feeling. Given what a lot of these folks sacrifice. You know, a lot of them lived in a period where... They had to go through countless protests. They were beaten. Hoses were turned on them. Um, they witnessed, you know, police brutality. Um, but with but but during their time, there was no uh, nobody there to record it. Only word of mouth. So it was easy to deny and let police officers free. Um, After committing such acts, even though, you know, they're still getting off free these days, even with uh, physical and visual evidence uh, by way of video. Um, And and overall, it just really kind of made me think of how ironic it is. You know, you, you think about all the things that I've that I've talked about and one of the things that as a, as a person of color that we run into, one of the issues that we run into is a lot of conservatives or uh, white Americans saying that we need to get past it. We need to get over it. That the reason that one of the reasons maybe the country hasn't progressed as far as it should uh, when it comes to race is because black folks won't let go of the past that we won't uh, forget what our ancestors, uh, aunts, uncles, parents, great-grandparents, uh, great-great-grandparents and uh, have had to go through. As if it's just really just that easy to get rid of uh, generational trauma. You know, I'm quite sure that nobody really wants to relive uh, pain or deal with internalized pain or and, and pain that they were born with and grew up with, with really no uh, no real connection to where that even came from until they've been taught about it. You know, think about how that must feel to uh have these internal these these internal reactions or these feelings to certain actions, certain words, certain phrases, certain situations of anger, uh fight or flight, or fear, and not know where it came from. And then when you sit through a history class that isn't sugar-coated, and somebody gives you the cold, hard truth, you realize that it's come from things that have happened in your family, to your family, many of those things before you were even born. And some of those things, You're you're you are enduring as we speak, but you didn't even know that they were wrong because you it's become so normalized and internalized that you look at it as just that's just life. And that's just the way things go. Imagine the feeling you, you know, many African-Americans and people of color, you know, Native Americans go through when they come to that realization. I think it's ironic that a country and a people that always say. Never forget the Holocaust. Never forget what happened to um, all those Jewish people in uh, in Europe during the rise of Adolf Hitler. That we should never forget what happened to them. Never forget what happened in those concentration camps. How families were torn apart. How men and women were gassed and shot to death and killed. And children were killed. And, uh, whole generations and bloodlines were wiped off the face of the earth. We should never forget that is what we're told in school, in the history books, um, You know, during certain anniversaries. In a country that we're always told to never forget 9-11, never forget what terrorists did in New York City on that fateful day, how many men and women died in the World Trade Centers, how many first responders died and the subsequent uh, rescue efforts, we're told to never forget that. Never forget the Holocaust, an event that lasted several years. Never forget 9/11, um, an event that lasted one day. But you know, both events surely live on uh, forever in the in the minds and the hearts um, of those who were directly affected by it. But people of color. Are asked to forget the 400 years of bondage and slavery and treachery that they had to endure. We're told to forget those 400 years. We're told to forget the past, you know, the the years after slavery when Jim Crow laws were in play and we were still getting lynched. We're told to forget the way we're still uh, going through a form of lynching these days when we're shot and killed, unarmed Black men, women, and children are being shot and killed at the hands of uh rogue police officers. Yes, I do know that there are decent police officers out there and not everybody's bad, but the police force itself is a uh is a malicious force. The police force itself has gone by unchecked, unpoliced in themselves um and allowed to run roughshod with no type of check or balance. The police force itself is not out to necessarily protect, uh, protect people, protect citizens. They're out to pr- protect order and protect property for the wealthy. So when they talk about protecting and serving, they're certainly certainly not protecting the marginalized groups of people out there because we're feeling the full brunt and force of, uh, of their might every time they come out, even when we're the ones who actually call upon them to help us out. We're asked to forget that every, every day. Anytime we want to talk about and address our generational trauma, uh, the trauma that we're dealing with right now, we're asked to forget that. All 400 years of that, five, 600 years that we're currently dealing with all if you want to look at it. For some reason, black claimsmen you know, I know that might have come across as like heavy, or 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 maybe that I'm digging, um, and making something out of the movie that uh, that it didn't need to be, or that that has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. But those are the type of feelings and thoughts that I had when I left the movie. Um, for some reason, like I said, it just put me in my feelings. It reminded me of all of that. Um, I guess that's also a sign of a great movie a movie that can elicit that type of reaction out of you, that type of emotional response, um, that can stimulate your mind your and your heart that way, and your emotions that way, yeah, it's clearly an excellent movie. But I'll go into, um, I guess, some other reasons why I was emotionally affected by that movie. Um, so when, when I went to go see the movie, uh, that day, I would have to say about 65 to 70% of the people who are watching a movie were actually white people. Um, the other, you know, 30, 35% were people of color. Actually, I go as far as to say 30, maybe less. Cause there, when I think about it now, there really wasn't that many people of color watching the movie. Um, that itself, actually, I didn't, I didn't care. It didn't bother me. Um, I was at a suburban theater. What else do you expect? Uh and normally I don't really even pay attention to uh the type of crowd that that that's in a movie when I go to watch a movie. I guess I noticed this and I took note of it afterwards. Um and I took note of it afterwards because during the movie I had some very uncomfortable feelings. Now, it wasn't with the content of what that what I was viewing. It wasn't it had nothing to do with uh some of the disturbing things that happened during the movie because for all intents and purposes the movie wasn't that disturbing um it's just very matter matter of fact and very critical of uh the political time you know uh political uh climate during that time I've seen movies that are way more disturbing way more uh that were heart reaching um way more uh blunt or brutal in the way the plot was laid out um But my feelings came from the way the response was during certain parts of the movie. Especially uh, the laughing. And so let me elaborate. And before I even get into this, I will say, like, um, I don't know the intentions of everybody was there. And And I'm not coming there. And I'm not assuming that everybody came there out of some type of malicious reason. Actually, I don't believe they came there out of a malicious reason at all. Um, I think they came to watch it what they thought heard was a pretty good movie and they get out of it what they could get out of it just like I did. Um, but as I kinda ramble on here, you'll kinda you'll you kinda see where I'm going with this. So the movie definitely had uh several comedic parts to it. There are parts in the movie where, you know, typical Spike fashion and all the seriousness of a lot of his plots, you know, he throws in some funny parts in there where he kinda elicits uh some laughs. Uh, out of you, get some, you know, coax some, some, some humor and some laughter out of you, uh, just to make sure that, that the that the movie isn't uh, somber the whole time, you know, because he does touch a lot of uh, heavy subject matter. Um, but there were certain parts in the movie where people were, I don't know, for me it seemed like they were laughing a little bit too too hard, um, and it reminded me. Is uh, it's at that moment that it reminded me of something I saw Dave Chappelle say. I heard Dave Chappelle say um, during one of his comebacks. Uh, he was kind of referencing um, some feelings he had during that period just before he left his uh, highly acclaimed show that was on Comedy Central. Um, and basically what he was referencing, Dave Chappelle was talking about how You know, he was doing a a, a skit, and if anybody's uh, seen the Chappelle show uh, from about, I guess it'd be almost 10 years ago now, uh, a little less, a little under, anybody who's watched the Chappelle show, he used to do some real controversial type of skits, hilarious, funny skits, but he was not afraid to uh, touch on some racist stuff during his shows and bring some humor out of it, right? Um, and the whole point was to, to, to highlight these, uh, these racial topics and highlight the hypocritical part of it, but to laugh at it, you know, like they say, um, the remedy to hard times is laughter, right? The, uh, the laughter is the best medicine. And a lot of times it, or the phrase that, you know, you laugh to keep from crying. Essentially, that's what I felt like he did when he did, when he had a lot of these skits. But at one time he talked about, just before he decided to leave, one of the reasons is, uh, one of the reasons, not the only reason, not the biggest reason, he was doing another one of these skits. And as he did the skit, it was another kind of like racial or racist skit. He looked out to the crowd and he said that there was a white man out there that was laughing a little bit harder than he felt he should have been laughing. That he was getting a little bit too much enjoyment out of, uh, the racial content in that skit, and how I just made him—it it made them feel uneasy. I kind of felt the same way. I had this pit in my stomach, um, and like this subtle rise of anger, um, as I sat amongst all these people that didn't look like me and, and, and saw them laughing um, hysterically, even in certain parts of the movie that I don't even think that that were were that funny. Now, in hindsight, taking a taking a seat back and looking at it now. Trying to be rational about it, do I think that there were any dubious uh, meanings behind their laughter? Probably not. Um, they just thought it was funny, so they they acted accordingly. Um, and and personally, I. I guess where my confusion is or what my apprehension is, is the fact that part, even though part of me would like to think that there's no dubious uh, or scandalous reasons that they were laughing so hard of it. The other part of me isn't sure, because you know why? Because I live in a I am currently in a state where Hillary Clinton barely beat out Donald Trump. When you look at the numbers he could have easily taken this state. Now, when you think about that, and I remember at the time looking at the numbers during the election, I, I essentially um, had to, had to, had to, had to think about it and say, essentially one out of every two people, almost one out of every two people that, uh, that I look at on the street voted for Donald Trump and agreed with his racist practices his misogynist, misogynistic practices, homophobic practices, rhetoric, and principles. So even though all these people may look at me and smile in my face and want to shake my hand and say all these great things to me, underneath the shroud is a lot of hate and bigotry. Or hate and bigotry that they, they don't feel comfortable displaying, uh, displaying to me in front of me out in public, but they felt very comfortable expressing it in a voting booth. It was that frame of thought that made me think that, you know, had me second guessing and wondering like, are they really laugh? Are they really laughing just because it's funny? Or are they laughing at, at the pain and suffering that my people had to endure? Um, are they laughing in spite of me or despite of me? Or dis, or despite me? It was the question I had to ask. And I couldn't answer that question. That's part of where the a lot of the anger came from. I kept asking myself, I don't care whether or not it was funny or not, or whether you know what was said or what was done in the movie was funny or not. All I kept thinking was, how could you sit there and laugh? When you look, or when you are seeing played out in front of you some of the racist, racist garbage, some of the, you know, nasty, like, you know, vitriolic, you know, rhetoric and actions that my people had to endure at the hands of people that look like you. You know, spoiler alert, at one point in time, one point in the in the movie, uh, one of the wives of one of the Klansmen, you know, planted up a, a, a bomb, some C4, to blow up uh, a black college student. And I'm thinking to myself, how can you look at that and laugh at any part part or portion of the movie? Now, I realize that some of you may think that I'm being irrational to even think that way. Hey, hey, you know what? And it's and It's possible. But that's the way I felt. It's at that moment that I felt that with the current political climate and the way that race relations are currently in America, I didn't give a damn how good a movie was or how funny anything was. Like, you don't have a right to laugh at something that was painful to my people. Like, you don't have the right to take the stance of laughing to keep from crying. Like, you deserve to only cry. You deserve to only feel uncomfortable because my people feel uncomfortable every day. We feel un- Some of us feel uncomfortable every day we walk out of our houses, our homes. Some of us feel uncomfortable every day we go to work. We're uncomfortable every day we got to walk past a police officer. So if we got to be uncomfortable in a system or a structure that is inherently racist and set against us, then surely you can be uncomfortable for for two hours during the movie. I felt like, you know what? Damn it. We owe that much. For two hours, you shouldn't allowed to be, you shouldn't be allowed to feel happy. You shouldn't be allowed to feel any type of joy. You should be forced to feel the type of discomfort and pain that we feel on an everyday basis for 23 hours and, you know, 23, 24 hours a day. I guess for that day it was like a two-hour movie. If I gotta feel for twenty for twenty-two hours, I gotta feel discomfort, and I can only feel happiness for for two hours. Then damn it, them two hours that I'm feeling happy, you should feel just uncomfortable. Now that is a little bit of an exaggeration. I am not an unhappy person. For the most part, I am very. I am actually not. For the most part, I am happy with my life. I'm happy with the way you know things that are that are going and the opportunities that are you know coming and uh, coming to fruition for me. It was just a figure of speech. I'm speaking that in general terms. The way things are, it is hard for people of color to be happy on an everyday basis. And when is the time going to come for somebody else to feel unhappy or feel uncomfortable? So yeah, I felt that immature, that selfish, that greedy about that movie at that point in time. I didn't want. If you weren't a person of color, I didn't think you should be. Should have been happy during that movie, no matter how irrational that 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 that, that of a thought that was. And I and I think I was also a little upset at myself because I allowed myself to be surprised uh by some of the the, the 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 reactions of the people there I, I I think I was I allowed myself to be surprised at the fact that some of them didn't seem as devastated um, as I was. Mm. and And ultimately, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. Like I said, I live in a state that Hillary Clinton only won by a narrow margin. I live in an area where Fernando Castile was murdered on live TV or on a, a live video feed for everybody to see, and the police officer was let go. He wasn't convicted of anything. He's allowed to walk around free every day, be with his family, seek out a different job shall he choose to do so. While wow, that little girl is in the backseat and is going to need some counseling or she's going to have some a lot of issues growing up in life. Why his girlfriend is going to have some issues growing up or her or is going to have some issues going, you know, going on for the rest of her life. I shouldn't be surprised knowing those things, but I was. I think I was surprised. I think I was angered because I allowed my guard to be let down so that I could experience that that. Uh, that surprising uh, 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 feeling or concept, however you want to say it. I am, you know, the same state that complains that Black Lives Matter is disrupting the flow of traffic anytime they protest, Um, even though construction is the biggest disruption of all here um, and is the biggest delay for everybody's life here. I shouldn't have been surprised that they weren't uncomfortable by what they were seeing. You know, and it's with these type of moments and these type of experiences when I sit back and I, you know, I reflect and I think about how I felt, uh, what I watched, um, whether my feelings were rational or not, what we went through back then, what we're going through now. Um, it's, it's at those moments where I, um. At that time, I had to ask myself, and now I still ask myself, can America really do better? Because historically, they've never done any different. Um, I think I've said before, you you say somebody can do better when you've watched them do better. But when this is all that they've given you, that this is just what they are. So I really have to ask myself, can America do better? Or is it always ingrained in this nation to just remain this way? Um, as I was saying before, the parallels and the similarities in what I watched on the film were so close and identical to what's happening today that uh, I almost have to... I feel I almost feel like I have to question the sanity of anyone who says that we have come a long way. Um, I just don't... You know, at times, I don't feel like we really... Like we, like we didn't go anywhere. You know, is one step along an entire staircase really going, going in, in anywhere? Is it really going a long way? That's what I feel like in a way what I feel, this, I feel like we, we have done and what this movie reminded me of. If the... The march or the direction to freedom, equity, and quality is a staircase. And that goes, let's say, let's say it goes, you know, seven floors. I pick seven because seven is like that spiritual number of completeness. All right. or completion. We've gone up one step of seven flights. That's not going a long way at all. But I guess when you sugarcoat it all. And you, you live in denial as much um, as this country does. And ignore the fact, like I said, that the game hasn't changed at all. It's easy for you to believe anything. Isn't it? It's easy to believe anything. You know, just recently I also watched another movie called Sorry to Bother You. Um, not as... Uh, didn't elicit the same type of feelings... That Black Klansmen did, but um, metaphorically and artistically really reflected uh, a lot of the social and political strife that I feel like we are experiencing, not only in America, but across the world. Um, What made me really uh, interested in going to see this movie is, A, not only did I hear great things about it but the director was butch riley uh, a hip-hop artist that i really used to listen a lot to back in the day in the 90s when he was a part of a rap group called the coup um uh, and his rap his music back then was very politically conscious and on point point. and so i was really interested to, interested to see um what type of material he would put out as a director um, and it didn't disappoint um, i'm not going to go into it very much Um, Actually, I'm not going to go into it at all because I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it. But um, those two movies, to see those two movies um, within a week of each other really left me with a somber mood as far as the direction we will go um, or that we're going as a country. You know, there are people out there fighting. There are people making moves to improve things. Um, you've heard the voices of some of those very same people here with, that I've done interviews with. Um, people who are activists. People who are activists for, you know, not only sex workers' rights. People who are activists for uh, human rights, civil rights. Um, people who are looking to make our communities better. So there are fighters out there. But I guess I'm just really hoping um, that people out there that are living in denial and are in shock and awe about how similar the issues that we see in those movies, especially gla- Black Klansmen, you know, the set, you know, something that supposedly happened like 30, 40, 50 years ago, are so similar to now that you wake up and start helping those out who are putting in the work right now to make things better for us. Because if not, I fear that that that, that feeling that I had leaving that movie, leaving Black Klansmen is the fear, this very same, uh, not fear, but the very same feeling that somebody's going to have when they watch another movie with the same type of subject matter 40 years from now I fear that those very same feelings are going to come about because in fact they'll be saying the same thing that a lot of people during this time are saying about how, you know, about issues from, you know 40 40 years previous to this that they thought things had gotten better that they thought that things have you know, come a long way only to realize that they hadn't at all. So, um, with that, I'm not going to bore you guys any any longer. Um, I know I did quite a bit of rambling. Because uh, as I said, but, you know, initially at the beginning of the episode, I'm kind of, it was kind of just kind of in my feelings about this one. I um, just kind of want to let people know how I felt about it. Didn't want to give a real movie review. Didn't really want to tell people um any details about the movie I didn't want to spoil it in case some, some folks hadn't seen it yet but i wanted to tell you about how it made me feel um so if you're a person of color that's going to go see this movie um be prepared man be prepared to be i don't want you to be shocked but be prepared to see a, a movie and some issues that supposedly happened decades ago that seems shockingly familiar to what what's going on now And if you're not a person of color and you go see this movie, uh, be conscious of how you respond or how much humor you find uh, in parts of the movie if you're sitting amongst people of color. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying that you don't have the right to laugh or whatever, or you you shouldn't enjoy the movie. You paid money for your ticket just like anybody else. Of course, you should be able to go in and enjoy yourself. But I I guess what I'm saying is be cognizant of how your joy during certain parts of the movie may be perceived by people who don't look like you. Keep in mind the feelings that they may be having during that point in time um, as they're sitting and watching this movie right along with you. Have some sort of awareness about yourself. Um, so with that, um, I'm done really for the day. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. If you guys have any type of comments, questions, requests, anything you want to say, um, some critiques. I haven't really heard, had too many people come and critique me lately. Um, But I would like to hear that, too, because I want to bring you guys the best show possible. Yes, I do this for me because I enjoy doing it. But I also want it to be enjoyable for those who are listening. So, I mean, if you uh, have any type of critiques, comments, questions, or if you want to be on the show yourself, you got something interesting to talk about that you think a lot of my listeners would like to to um, hear about or you want to educate me about something. Because um, my last couple of episodes, interviews were about me educating myself, learning about uh, fields, different fields and types of work that I really had no knowledge of. And I learned a great deal from my guests. Um, but if you would like to contribute in that fashion, send me an email out to chilltimepod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Uh, and I'll get back to you as quickly uh, as I can. Um, so I appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen to me. I really appreciate uh, the feedback that I get, and I appreciate those of you who have been out there supporting the podcast, spreading the word, uh, telling other people about the podcast, getting them to listen, posting links, all that. Keep doing it. Keep pushing me, you know, encouraging me, keep pushing me forward, uh, and keep supporting me because um, I see it, I notice it, I appreciate it, and I won't forget. So with that, I'm out.
0: Of it and of you, pedagogue of young gods. All slavery ever does is free you, all anyone ever does is an example. All power is this collective energy. To abuse the privilege is to sell your soul, and that is to rent with the illusion of owning. We are the landlords. If you misunderstand us, you're dead and deserve your demise. Your dominion is your overthrow. The controllers are controlled. Spread the word, it will save you and depends on you to be understood. There is no school bell, only nursery. Our heroes reward us with stars Ever still, ever moving We sing to ourselves in our cars Music is our sanctuary Anywhere you put it, it's ours Our living voice, our living testament We dream aloud, we scream and shout Our courage will defeat them, our struggle will unite us Our wisdom is ourselves, our resources our own Our blood, ocean, our skin, oil We are mountain and waterfall They cannot contain us Their prisons will not restrain us Their customs will not unname us We are what they know in their hearts You guessed it, you knew that, you felt it You tried to doubt it, denied but you knew it ain't nobody had to tell you we had them from the start a world apart a world within ancient and luminous the before before and the hereafter we are the essence of laughter the comforting prayer the gatekeepers and the street sweepers a mountain of ports outside of a city of dreams a bird that prays yet offers its wingspan to the wind things are not as they seem we hover above while giving the appearance of scurrying below all is as it should be We are more than we know, more than we hoped and dreamed. A generation of generators, a power source and supply. The better we learn to live. The better we learn to die Old is anything, old is everything We are participants in a ritual Older than our collective memory A marriage of heart and mind, secular and divine All is as it should be Slavery carefully bred us No child of Greece or Rome can behead us We are ahead of our time Slavery was simply a state of mind Hip-hop reminded us of confidence Overcoming now is simply common sense (laughs) You deserve the ice and the riches of Solomon, but don't let warped values turn you into hollow men. And education is the only thing given that cannot be taken. Learn to think for yourself, analyze the forsaken, pimp your fears, surrender to love, dance all night when you need to. Play this song for a thug, let him know ain't no judgment, we all hustle and grind. Any system against us is against the divine, but there's no sense of glory in repenting and repeating their mistakes. You have a greater calling, answering it is all it takes. Take a second to hear this and go back about your day Know the laws don't govern us, we're governed by what we say What we think, why we think it, how we handle Place no blame, point no fingers, take your aim Shoot to kill the bullshit